Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. To obey magistrates. To be ready to every good work. To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers but gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Disobedient. Deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just beautiful? Let us pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you from the depths of our heart that you have placed in us this wonderful gift. Salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. We thank you, Lord, for the day and hour that you opened our eyes to behold him, the Lamb of God. We thank you, Lord, that you've saved us and washed us. You've cleansed us. We thank the Lord we are heirs of thy kingdom through him. Father, if there's one here tonight that is not saved or maybe that has fallen away, backslidden in heart, or even, Lord, went into the world, we pray tonight that this would be the night when you would speak to their hearts. And, oh God, that you would draw them to the cross. And may they see the Lord Jesus Christ bearing their own sin in his own body on the tree for them. And Father, may they call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our title this evening is Our Full Salvation. Our Full Salvation, or we could call it Our Whole Redemption. Full Salvation, Our Whole Redemption. It's surprising and how many people who hear the gospel message, just like we hear every Sunday in this place and other places, how many who are unsaved will think, well, if I give my life to Jesus, and if I get saved tonight, I know I wouldn't keep it because my life's like this. Or I know I'll let him down. Or maybe even those who have once walked with him and fallen away, and they'll say, it's hard for me to come back because I've failed him in the past. I've failed him before. Uh, and so, you know, if I fail him again, what will I do? I can't keep it. The unsaved think, if I give my life to Christ, I can't keep it. I want to tell you, the unsaved who think that and those who are uh, backslidden in heart, maybe even backslidden completely into the world. And you say, I can't keep it. You're 100% right. You can't. But it's he who keeps you. He keeps you. Our full salvation is this. 
when a man and a woman are saved, saved, uh, they're trusting in Christ alone. When a man and woman are saved, they are washed by faith in the blood of Jesus, knowing that his sacrifice, the shedding of his blood on Calvary's tree that was on the cross, they know that his shed blood is enough to pay for all of their sin. And that's past. That's even your present sin and your future. The power of the blood of Christ is still avails it still avails this evening and the power of the blood of christ will always avail even to the coming of the lord a man and woman who are saved i want to make sure we get this word saved many churches don't like to use the word saved anymore they're saved from their sin they're saved from the wrath of god they're saved from a lake of fire a burning hell and they're saved from themselves. Saved by grace means we are saved. Even though we're unworthy, we have received his mercy. Billy sang it tonight. But I'm unworthy. Please come to me. And that's what God has had to do with all of us. When we couldn't come to where he was, as the hymn writer says, he came to me. I know where he found me. And every one of us has a story who are saved we have a story of where Christ came to us. It might have been in a pit of despair. It might have been in a, a, a deep, died, sinful state. It might have been in a place of alcoholism and drug addiction. It might have been a place in religious activity, good living, thinking they're good enough in themselves. Everybody was saved at a different place, but it all points back to the cross of Calvary and what he has accomplished there a man and a woman who are saved they are repentant of their sin they've changed their heart by the changing of the mind they're repentant of their sin they leave their old life and they go on to know the lord to follow him to grow in him to serve him and the man and woman who are saved have been to the cross they've repented they're born again of the spirit of god the word born again means they're born from above fathered by our Father God, birthed in the Spirit. And so they live their lives accordingly. So I've said that as a way to introduce us to three aspects of our salvation tonight. First of all, we speak of the truly saved, those whom we have spoken to, of, pardon me, tonight. Although imperfect, I want you to note that. Although imperfect, they are justified. Because they have come to Calvary's tree and repented. Although you're imperfect tonight, Christian, you're still justified in the eyes of God. Justified in your Father's eyes. Notice they are justified, meaning they're just as if they'd never sinned. Yes, when we fail Him, we turn to Him and we repent of that. But do you realize there are sins that you commit or sins of omission? Things you don't even realize you have done? And yet his grace abounds over and covers you. His blood has cleansed you. And you're washed from your sin. Notice this, you're justified. You're just as if you've never sinned. You're declared righteous. If you stood before God tonight, friend. If you stood before God tonight, would you be declared righteous? Righteous. 
Would you be declared sinless in the sense that you've been justified just as if you'd never sinned because you've trusted in the finished work of Christ on the cross. You've said, Jesus died for me and I believe his payment for my debt of sin is more than enough. And so you have received by faith the payment of your sin through the blood of Christ. Would you be declared righteous, forgiven, and sinless? Notice this, those who are saved, they are not only justified, they have been saved. Note that down. If you're taking your notes, write it down. It's important. The day and the hour that I came to Christ, the day and the hour when I sat after all the stuff that I had done, and I sat under the gospel message of saving grace in Christ, and I heard of how this man died for me. The night I gave myself to Christ and repented of my sin and he came into my life. See, from that night, I have been saved. I remember sitting and I remember sitting with, uh, I had been registered homeless. I remember I had uh, been in court on the Friday, held back and arrested later, then released. And in the town on Friday, in the town on Saturday, in the Shabines in, and sat right through in the parties. And, and that night, I ended up that I couldn't live any longer. I don't know what I did or what happened. I woke up on a friend's floor. My face was swollen. My body was blown out. I was very ill. And all I could hear was these two Christians praying for me. He's coming around, they said, and they managed to get me to church. I remember the first time they said, you've said you'd come to church with us. I don't ever remember saying that ever. I must have. And all I could think of was get me an ambulance. But I ended up in church that night. And then the party should be that early morning. Someone says to me, would you ever think of becoming good living, Ken? Meaning a Christian, you know, there are terms. There's slogans for things. Have you ever think of a common good living? And I swore them up and down. And that night I heard of Christ who died for me. And I beheld the Lamb of God. And I saw him bear away my sin. And here I was, wrecked. Wrecked with the ravishes of my sin and my habits from alcohol and from drugs. And there I was. Nothing to call my own. And I remember saying, Jesus, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing. I was bleeding internally. The doctor says I was killing myself. I couldn't stop it. Couldn't help it. And there I sat hearing about a man called Jesus who still saves today. And I says, if you take my life and use this man... If you can do anything with this, here he is. And he saved me. He saved me there. He saved me then. And from that night in God's grace to now, I've loved him ever since. Because he first loved me. I've followed him ever since. And he has kept me through many dangers, toils and snares. I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home.
This same Jesus is here and presented to you tonight, friend. This same Jesus in the same gospel through the same sacrifice of himself and the same blood that he shed is presented to you tonight to say that he loves you and that he died for you. He went to the grave for you. He rose again to justify you from your sin. Would you accept him tonight? Would you accept him? I was saved that night that I gave my life to Christ. Saved. Saved. So when we think of being saved, I was just as if I'd never sinned because I'd been washed in the blood. Then secondly, going on, and maybe you can think like this, friend. Truly saved man and woman are not only justified, they're sanctified. Let me put it like this. When you start walking with the Lord, you start finding things maybe, and the Lord works in you, and you feel him, and you struggle with him. And as you walk on with him, he keeps you even though you feel him every day. Sets you apart, and he sanctifies you, and he marks you as his own. You see, you were saved then, and you are being saved every day. Every single day. I am saved positionally. I am a child of God. Every day when I feel him, he keeps on keeping me. He saves me every single day. In other words, he keeps me even at my worst of times. See, friend, you might say, I can't keep it, you're right. But if you truly give your life to Christ, I can tell you, you can't keep it. He keeps you. He keeps you in your failures. You're being saved. You're being kept by him. You're sanctified. Notice, you are saved, justified, declared righteous. You can leave here justified, declared righteous. And you can leave here being sanctified every day of your life as you go on to know the Lord. And in your failures, he keeps you. He keeps you. Thirdly, the truly saved, you will be glorified, justified, sanctified, and in the future we're to be glorified. Justified, sanctified, glorified. You were saved. You are saved. You're being saved. You will be saved. Notice here, this is our full salvation. We'll look at it in another moment. For, for example, when we are saved at the cross of Calvary, it's in the past tense. You're saved and that's it. You're saved from, you're ready, from the penalty of sin. When I got saved that night, I was saved from the penalty of sin. If you get saved tonight, you're, you'll be saved from the penalty of sin. And whether you're saved one second after your life, your life is turned over to Christ, or whether you're saved and you're saved 50, 60 years, Sudi Tari, you're still his. And the penalty of sin is no, has no more hold on you. So when I get saved, I was saved from the penalty of sin. You know something? Those who have not the Son 
have not the Father. Do you know that? And those who have not the Father and the Son, know what the Bible says, Jesus said? He says, has not got life, but the wrath of God abideth on them. That's the penalty of sin. Wages must be paid. And the sin that men and women are accumulating every day, they say, well, we are getting away with it. It's as though we're living life. Everything's fine. It hasn't happened today. Maybe tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, well, it hasn't happened today. Maybe the next day and the next day and the next day. You know what happens? You're kicking on in your sin and you say, well, the penalty hasn't happened. But listen, wages of sin is death. The penalty is to stand before God, a vengeful God of wrath. But when I got saved, I was saved from the penalty of sin. When you were saved, you were saved from the wrath of God and the penalty of sin. Past tense, you're saved from the penalty of sin. Notice here what it says in Titus 3 and 5. Here's our justification. Notice what it says. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's nothing you can do for salvation. Salvation has got nothing to do with you, friend. Oh, it's for you. But it's got nothing to do with you in the sense you cannot work your way. You cannot pay your way. You cannot uh, be religious enough to make your way. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Notice, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Imagine someone like me and God being merciful to me. According means with the dominance and the pressing down of mercy. God's kindness it is. It's God's elios, God's goodness. God's kindness and goodness has you here tonight. God's kindness and goodness has you under the sound of his word tonight. The alios of God is this. It is the goodness toward the miserable and the afflicted. That's what it means. The word here for mercy is alios. The goodness and the kindness of God toward the miserable and the afflicted. I don't mean to offend you because every man and woman outside of Christ don't realize they're miserable. They're afflicted with the things of the world. Miserable in the sense where they try to feed their soul with something that will help them. So they feed it with alcohol and they feed it with drugs and they feed their soul with relationships and they feed it with work and they feed it with all manner of things but yet they find there's still a vacancy in the heart. And as old Spurgeon says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in every heart that only God can fill. And only Christ can fill it. So the hymn writer said, Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. And as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. It's in Christ alone, friend. What you're searching for, what you're looking for, the fulfillment of your life, the fulfillment of your soul, 
the betterment of your heart, your eternal welfare, everything is found in the beautiful Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Notice this. The word Elios for mercy is kindness and goodness towards the miserable and afflicted with a desire to help them. To think that God had a desire to help me and to help you. So past tense, I was saved. You are saved from the penalty of sin. That's justification. Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 4. The kindness and the love of God our Savior. Notice. The kindness of the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Man destitute. Man depraved in his nature. Man desolate of all godliness. Man deemed for a lake of fire and doomed. But God appeared. He came and showed his love. He sent his only begotten son for you. In verse 5, mercy is there. Washing is there. Renewing of the Holy Spirit. Notice the kindness of the love of God our Savior is the Father. The washing, renewing of the Holy Spirit. Here we have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. In verse 6, it says this, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Here we have the Son. In verse 7, we have our justification of being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life is our full salvation, is the glorification of those who have been justified. So when you get saved, God keeps you, and he'll keep you right to the end. From the guttermost to the uttermost. From the mar to the choir. He saves you. And he keeps you when you give your heart wholeheartedly unto him. Notice this in verse 4, God our Savior. In verse 6, Jesus Christ our Savior. You know what that tells me? Jesus Christ is God. He's <laughs> right and plain straight in front of you. Listen to Puritan Henry, pardon me, Philip Henry. Puritan Philip Henry. Tis no easy matter to be saved. T'was difficult work to Jesus Christ to work redemption for us. T'was difficult work to the Spirit to work grace in us and to carry us on against corruptions, temptations, and distractions. You see, every day of your life as a Christian, I used to think when someone was a Christian, they were perfect, floated around in a cloud, maybe had a wee pair of invisible wings, and had their halo that polished every now and again, they played a little harp. And I was let down many, many times, even before I was, a, I was saved. Is that a Christian? You know what a Christian is? A Christian is a man and woman who's been saved by grace, washed in the blood in whom the Holy Spirit lives. They fall in love with Christ. They're not perfect, but they are going to be one day. He's working a work. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 3, we see a glimpse of past life 
For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts, or various lusts, that is, and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Notice the world that God came into, that you and I were in, that mankind has made for himself. Notice the world. All of those things, the cesspit that it was from the depraved heart and nature of man. And then in verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared in the heart of the darkness, in the midst of that. God's love appeared in the face of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful Savior. Will you turn with me to the book of Colossians, please? Chapter 1. We just want to lift two verses out. Colossians chapter 1, and we'll lift verses 13 and 14 out. This is very important for you. There are some believers who have fell away into the world and they're living in darkness, the kingdom of darkness. They're trapped in it, captive in it. And there are those who are not saved and they are still living in darkness. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 speaks of the Lord Jesus who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Jesus has delivered you and I who are saved from the power of darkness. Darkness had a hold of your spirit. Darkness ruled your life. You didn't even realize it. Darkness lay hold on your heart. And he delivered you. Weak, helpless, senseless. And he delivered you. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. In whom in Christ we have redemption. Why? Through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Now listen, you can read all your authors that you like, even your Bible commentaries that you like. You can read them all. You can read all the wonderful preachers and they say lovely things and great things, encouraging things, even deep things. But if you read that, that has something. That has a substance. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even, even the forgiveness of sin. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 we're told for by grace are you saved through faith. Listen, and that not of yourselves. It's nothing you can do. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. God gives us a gift. And if I come and offer you something and you, you refuse it, well, then I'll keep and say, well, I offered you and you refused it. Tonight, God offers you a gift of salvation. And many may refuse it. And I don't want that gift. And by grace... Are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, 
It's not in your churchianity and your church life nor coming to missions. It's not in CET. It's not in being a good person. It's not in doing good anything. It's not about going to Protestant church or Catholic church or, or some synagogue or, 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 or mosque or whatever, anything else. There's nothing you can do but receive what he has done. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There'll be no one that day will say, well, I deserve heaven. I deserve the end of your kingdom because I did. Ken, how will you enter there? The only reason I'll deserve to be there is because of what he has done. Because what Christ has done. So past tense, you have been saved, justification. Your separation, that is from the penalty of sin. Notice the penalty of sin. Listen to what Genesis 4 and 13 says. And Cain kills Abel. And the Lord is casting him out from the face of the earth. And that doesn't mean that Cain's going to start floating off in the outer space. It means from that area of earth, the earth, the land mass area, cast him out. Cain's worried, he says, if someone finds me, they'll kill me. He's being cast away from Eden. He's being cast away from uh, Adam and Eve, he's being cast away from everything that he knew. Listen to what it says in Genesis 4 and 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Friend, if that's what Cain, standing before God at that day, said, What are you going to say? How would you feel? Eternally. Eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. My punishment, he says, is greater than I can bear. In Proverbs 6 and verse 27, it's a little obscure verse, but listen to what it says. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Let me say it again. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? You take a, a fire, a torch of fire, and you take it and hold it against you, you're certain that you're going to catch fire. Your clothes, your my, my nice pink tie would catch fire. Just confident. You can't take fire and not expect to be burned. And you can't live the way you live and not expect to be burned. You can't do what you do and not expect to be burned. You can't be who you are being and not expect to be burned. You can't do these things and expect not to be burned. That's the idea of it. And many will. And continue on in it. Secondly, that was past tense, you are saved. Secondly, present tense. You're being saved or kept, sanctification. You are separate from the power of sin. The first one, separation from the penalty of sin. 
when you're saved. Now you're severed from the power of sin. The power of sin. You see, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I was learning to ride a bike, you get on the bike and your dad gets the hold of the tail end of the seat. You're ready. You start moving and next thing you're picking up speed and where you go. <laughs> a few times. People think the Lord does that with them. If I get saved, I'd wobble about until I fall off my bike. No. I remember teaching Jodie to ride her bike. And she had her bike. And I was a good bit fitter then as well. And I held the back of the seat. And everywhere she went, I was letting it go and grabbing it and letting it go and grabbing it and letting it go until she was able to ride without me. I think I lost about two stone by the time she learned how to ride her bike. I went with her the whole way. I went with her the whole way. And you see, when a man and a woman truly give their lives to Christ, yes, they will have their wobbles, and yes, they will have their failures, and yes, they will have their faults, but God keeps you through it all. His grace abounds over our sin. And you are separate from the power of that sin. Listen, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he, that he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see the day that you realized you're not saved? You see the day that you woke up to behold the Lamb? The day you realized you must be forgiven of your sin? God started working in you, see? That's why you realized it. And he continues to work in you the whole way through a sanctification process until Christ returns. And that'll be our next point we'll look at in a moment. Well, preacher, have you ever failed the Lord? Many times. Many, many, many times. Have a man to? No. I try not to. But many times. And you know what I find? Every time I turn to him, he's holding the back of the bike. I've got you. I have you, son. Christian, God is working in you. And you might feel I'm tired and weary. I want to run away. I can't cope anymore with this. It's hard and work or wherever it may be. Listen, God is working in you. You ready? Listen, he that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. He's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you. You can't give up. God's not finished with you yet. In 1 Peter 1 and 5, we're told that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Listen, ready to be revealed at the last time. What does that mean? God's keeping me to reveal more in me. Yeah. The word reveal is apocalypto, and it means to cover, to, or pardon me, to uncover, to lay open what has been veiled or covered up. It's going to be a time when something else happens to me. That which is covered will be uncovered. That which has been veiled will be unveiled. And that's my 
full salvation, my whole redemption, and yours too. The word last time, to be revealed in the last time, is the word eschatos, where we get eschatology from. And it really means last in a series of things to the uttermost. And in the last of the series of my salvation of things to the uttermost, God's going to reveal something in me that I didn't even know before. God's going to reveal something in you. You see, you've past tense, you're justified, you're saved, separation from the penalty of sin. Now it's sanctification, present tense, and we are being set apart or we are sanctified from the power of sin. It doesn't hold me anymore, for Christ has me. Listen, Joseph Hall, old Puritan, said, in spite of devils, in spite of devils, there shall be saints. In spite of all that comes, there shall be saints. In Philippians chapter 2, if you would turn, please, just for a couple of verses or so. Philippians chapter 2. And verse 12. Notice what Paul says. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, note here, he didn't say work for your salvation. We don't work for our salvation. We, he says work it out. What God's doing in you. Notice the next verse. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working in me, not for Ken Davidson's pleasure, for his pleasure. For his pleasure and not ours. Can you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, please? Powerful, powerful reading here. Romans chapter 8. Just a couple of verses, verse 29 and 30. Speaking of the Lord, it says in verse 29... For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now notice, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Did Christ call you in his gospel? Then he knew you from before the foundation of the world. He predestinated you. He also called you. Notice, them he also called, and whom he called... Them he also justified. He called me on the salvation. He came into my life when I didn't want to know him. He came into your life when you didn't care of him. Dead in your trespasses, in your sins. And he calls us into his salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. Notice. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. God's plan isn't finished yet for you. He called you. Knew you from before the foundation of the earth. He called you to the cross of Calvary. He justified you. He declares you righteous. 
you're free and separate from the penalty of sin. Now he's in a sanctification, sanctifying process. You're separate now from the power of that sin. And he is working in you right unto the end. Notice, this is what I've written here. Five golden links in the chain of God's electing love. And they bind us to our sovereign's will, to his eternal plan and purpose, sealing us unto the day of redemption. One, he foreknew. The word foreknew uh, is the word where we get our word uh, prognosis from. Someone says, here's what's going to happen. Here's the prognosis. That's what God did in eternity. I see him for new. It says in 1 Peter 1 and 20, who verily was foreordained, it's the same word, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would die for us in eternity, the prognosis was he would go to the cross for someone like me. Secondly, we have predestination. Thirdly, we have the called. Fourthly, we have the justified. Notice, those God called unto salvation, he justifies. That is, he takes away the guilt, the penalty of their sins, and he bestows upon them positive righteousness. In which that is in Christ, the believer stands forever innocent, uncondemned, and righteous. My father looks at me, and even though I'm a failure, he still sees me as righteous. Why? Because of the righteousness of Christ on me. Clothed with Christ. Those he also glorified then. We are separate from the penalty of sin, separation from the power of sin, and thirdly, we will be future, past, present, future, that is justification, separation, glorification in the future. And in that we will be ready, separate from the presence of sin. Separate from the presence of sin. That's our full salvation. Romans 8 and 30, he also glorified. It's all of him. Let me just look at this for a few moments and we'll wrap this up. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. You see, you have to endure still, brother. It's God working in you, but you have to endure, sister. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What is this crown of life? That's a glorification we're going to look at. Crown of life, it's, it's not a literal little crown stuck on the top of your head. We're all going to run around like we princes and princesses. It's a glorification. Will you turn to me to Second Corinthians chapter 5, please? Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. Listen to the words of Paul. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that is your body, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, 
Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. There is your glorification. The coming of Christ in the future is that we are going to have a new body. Clothed upon with our house from heaven. Listen, I don't want to bust bubbles here. uh, And uh, I really don't. John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I know he's saying I have a mansion just over the hilltop and all this sort of stuff. You know, it isn't a literal mansion. There's isn't even a room, as some translations want to tell you. You know what your room is, your mansion? Your glorified state. Clothed with your house from heaven. The glorified state. Listen to the words of Philippians chapter 3, verses 20-21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. There's your glorification. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the word knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our house from heaven, our mansion over the hilltop, is a glorified body at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our bodies will not only be like our Lord's body in substance and in nature, but will be made so that they will become a perfect medium through which our inner spiritual lives and beings can express themselves. Our minds will again function perfectly. Our bodies will function perfect in immortality. Read 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18 when you go home. Read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 58, speaking of the coming of the Lord and the redemption of the body. So I close with this. Thank you for your attention. In Titus chapter 3, but after, verse 4, after that the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. God has been kind to you. God has been kind to you. God has been loving to you. God has been loving to you. Hey, listen, will you turn him away? Will you turn him away? He sent his love into this world, fallen and depraved, a ball floating in space full of sin. And he sent the only perfect one all the way to the cross. Will you turn him away again tonight? It's only through faith that we understand that the cross of Christ, God hid his power and weakness, his wisdom and folly, his goodness and severity, his justice and wrath, 
his mercy and anger, his victory and defeat, and his glory and shame. My friend, Pastor Jennings said that. When you look at the, seems like at the feet and the cross, it's not at the feet. There was a great victory for you and I to be saved. Some of you are still under the penalty of sin. Some of you are still under the penalty of sin. Some are still under the power of sin. And all around us is still in the presence of sin. So tonight, the youth will go upstairs and have their meeting. And maybe some of you will stay behind for some refreshments and tea and some fellowship. And you're very welcome. But will you go out tonight without Christ? Will you go out tonight without Christ? And Christian, will you go out tonight rejoicing in Christ? Rejoicing in what he's done for you. May you do so for his name's sake. Amen.